For those of you in the front, those in the back, Merry Christmas. There we go. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want to ask that you would open them up to uh, John chapter 1, um, verses 1 through 14, and, and if not, just listen along. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. That was pathetic. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Once more for the boys. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And the ladies. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for the three up front. Wake up, folks. Come on. It's Christmas. Um, uh, I, I'm really fortunate uh, this morning to have an opportunity to, to talk but uh, about the Christmas Eve sermon. This is one of the things that a lot of pastors look forward to because this is the culmination. This is a really exciting time in the life of the church. There's so much about Christmas that we long for us ourselves and our communities to fully understand and embrace. But uh, you all missed the best Christmas Eve sermon I've ever heard. Uh, and you're two weeks late. 
A couple weeks ago, Katina Light preached one of the most fantastic sermons I've heard on the power of Jesus coming to earth with us, the incarnation. And so if you want to check it out, please get on our website, look at our teachings, and listen to Katina's sermon from Blue Christmas. It'll knock your socks off. Um, but Advent 2017 is now coming to an end. And the grand finale for many of us is Christmas morning. And for, for, for quite a few people in the room, uh, what this means is that in the next few days and for the next few days, we will enter into time of celebration uh, with family, with friends. We'll have a chance to enjoy good meals, exchanging gifts, retelling stories, and, and, and having the good memories very present in our minds. We'll hear laughter and lingering conversations. But Christmas is much more than these things. Christmas is an invitation to enter into the story, an invitation like the shepherds, as Tim said a few minutes ago, to come and see, to come and see this baby king and to come and wait for his return. As Ben mentioned in the beginning that we stand in this interesting space where we are looking back at the story of the coming of the Messiah, but we are also remembering forward for when He will come again, as the Scripture clearly tells us, that He will return. And we need to understand that this story is radical. Gods don't come to their creation. Let me say that again. Gods don't come to their creation. The creation comes to God. And that is the radical scandal of Christmas. It's the story of the God who is with us, God Emmanuel, the surprising rescue plan of God, not sending an army, a military general, or a powerful dictator, or a politician, or a society to fix all the world's symptoms. It's the story of God entering into the mess of life to fix the problem, to redeem the world from sin and death. And to the first century shepherds, to Mary and Joseph, to the animals, to Herod, the wise men, the sheep, to the dust mites in the hay, the birth of this king named Jesus comes as a surprise. It's not what we would think. It's not what we would expect. There's no palace, there's no fanfare, there's no parade. There's no baby bump posts on Instagram. There's no followers. This king is born in a has-been town along the margins of the society and on the margins of the landscape. A town that has long since seen its prime. And so this morning, I want to invite you, I want to ask you to see Christmas as a surprise. Like the kids tomorrow morning as they walk downstairs and they come to a tree with eyes wide open, that we would come awake and aware of the deep theological significance of what it means to have a God with us. And some of you may be thinking, like me, I know this story. And if that's the case, I want to invite you this morning along with me to move from knowing the story to being transformed by the story. Because that is the ultimate goal of Christmas, that we are transformed by the God 
who was with us. And so I invite you to meditate with me on a few of the words that were penned by John that Dennis just read in John's version of the Christmas story. I love this statement. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome the light. Friends, we stand this morning, many of us, we've become drunk and overwhelmed by the darkness around us. We think about the wars and racism, genocide, poverty, starvation, the destruction of our environment, and the darkness that just continues to seem to spread across the landscape. And that darkness hits closer to home in many of our lives in this season. Just last Saturday, one of my good friends that I play hockey with was given an unfavorable diagnosis of cancer, and it has spread. Some of us sit here this morning with the sting of infertility, with the lingering effects of abuse, with sickness, with homelessness, with the loss of a spouse or a friend, the loss of a job, deep betrayal, addictions, loneliness. Some of us are stressed, anxious, depressed. Not only are some of us experiencing this darkness, but it seems to run rampant on the margins of our world. All one has to do is open up the newspaper and look around in our communities to see it in the slums, the places where we lock our doors as we quickly drive through the down and out places. It seems that if Satan continues to harm and destroy the most vulnerable, and my friends, that is why we do this radical thing called Advent giving where we take part of our finances, part of what we we have been gifted to, and we give it back to help the marginal people within our world. That's why I love that this red box in the table signifies to us that all the money that goes into that goes to Pastor Brito and seeing churches formed and, and people healed and lepers cared for and orphans loved in India. It goes to rescuing women and children out of the trafficking trade within Cambodia and Thailand. And it goes to seeing the gospel message go forward in Southeast Asia. My friends, this is a radical way to engage the truth that God is with us and God is among us. This is a radical way to be present with the most vulnerable. And so the coming of the Christ child is a reminder that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and it will not overcome it. My friends, the darkness does not have the final word because the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so when we think about this, this picture, these, this, this loaded statement, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let's just break this down, the Word. What we hear from the very beginning about this idea of the Word, John says it right in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. So what we understand about the Word is it's Jesus, it's God in flesh. And John tells us that right at the beginning, that Jesus is the Word. And to understand that Word, it is the word logos in Greek, which is where we get the word logic or reason. But let me break it down in a real simple way. It's the unknowable God becoming knowable. And this, my friends, is scandalous. That God doesn't say hidden, unreachable, mysterious, and unknowable, but he makes himself known. A commentator on 1 John said this, said that Jesus is the supreme revelation. 
If we are to know God, neither rationalism or mysticism will suffice, for God chose to make himself known finally and ultimately in a real historical human being. And so if we want to know who God is, we look at Jesus, that God would have a name, that mystery would be made known, that God would be present to us, that God has spoken rationally to us, not through this watertight argument or this amazing way of making sure that we know that we're right, but from a watertight person. And this is scandalous. Jesus doesn't just make himself known by a bunch of doctrines, but by an embodied fleshly human being. God is knowable because of Jesus. And so God becomes flesh. And flesh is another loaded term that speaks of the person of God. When we think of flesh, it's soft, it's wrinkly, it's touchable, it's cuttable, it's vulnerable, it's killable. And I want us to think about the fleshiness of the Christmas story that Tim just shared a few minutes ago. Let's think about Jesus' story. It's, there's a scandalous pregnancy that it begins with. That Mary, a teenage mom, is safer to be nine months pregnant on a donkey riding to Bethlehem than left behind in her hometown of Nazareth. That her pregnancy status would have at worst gotten her killed, at best had her abandoned. And so they get to this inn, they finish this amazing journey down to Bethlehem. And they get to the inn only to find out that it is full. Or maybe they're turned away due to the lack of a wedding ring. Or the uncomfortable feeling that the innkeeper may have. And so when Jesus is born, one of the things that we, we, we miss is we think that it says that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And so some of us, we think, you know, the swaddling blanket, you sort of wrap them real tight. Well, my friends, like, I want you to just hear what this is. See, Jewish priests, they wore an undergarment. It was just one simple, one woven article of underwear, essentially, what it was. But when it was done, they would always recycle it. And it was used for two things. The one thing it was used for is it was given to shepherds. They would purchase it and they would use it to wrap their lambs when they were born. The second thing it was used for was for burial cloths. When someone died, they would use it to wrap their bodies. So even from Jesus' birth, there is the smell of death, almost the foreshadowing of what is to come. He's born in a cave, placed in a cave with dirty animals and shepherds. And so he's born into that, and he dies, and he's placed in a cave when he dies. There's this tension. And shortly after Jesus was born, what we hear too, and this is the scandal of the story, is he becomes a refugee. And that may make, may make some of us uncomfortable. But he had to leave his country for fear of being killed. And so the king of the universe, the Messiah God with us, is not born in a castle or a beautiful hospital but behind the Holiday Inn next to the dumpster. And the first to know about this birth are the farthest from those who should know about this birth. The shepherds, the cast-out ones, the lowliest of people are the first to hear the good news that God's rescue plan in action has come. My friends, his birth changes everything. And the word that we use to talk about it 
in the church is this beautiful word called incarnation. And here's what incarnation looks like. It looks like God putting his phone down and visiting us fully and not partially, but recognizing who we are and looking us in the eye, fully present to us, God with us. We come to the last part of this loaded verse, that he dwells among us. And so he comes to dwell, and what we miss in the English is this beautiful word of dwell, which means tabernacle or abide, that God doesn't just come to visit, but that he makes himself present fully where we are, that he is present with us, that he understands us, that he moves into the neighborhood. He doesn't just visit because you don't really know a place until you've actually been there. And although God in his wisdom could know it, but he decided to come to it to experience it so that he could be the great counselor who understands what we're going through, the darkness that may seem so present to us this morning. And so this tabernacle idea, the the idea of tabernacling with us is such a scandal. Because my friends, when, when people would ask early Christians, so where do you worship? They'd say, well, we don't really have, we don't have a, you know, where's your temple? We don't. We don't have a temple. We, we are the temple. Well, you mean there's no building? No. God is with us and in us, and he's here. He lives in me, and, he, and I want to offer that, that he can live in you. And so Jesus understands, God understands what it's like to feel the stress that we go through within life. He cried blood. That's pretty stressed. He understands loneliness. He was left alone and abandoned by his friends at his last breath. He understands our hungers and our desires because he experienced them too. So God making his dwelling with us is not so much about us knowing God, but it's about God knowing us. He understands who we are. And because of this, God is accessible to us. Because of Jesus, God becomes accessible. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. My friends, this is the good news of Christmas. That God saw us in our broken state, in our sin and death, and came to rescue us. Not only is he God with us, but he is the God who saves us, the God who rescues us, the God who gives us new and abundant life. So some of you may be sitting here, how do I get this new and abundant life? And John says, as I read earlier, you don't become a child of God because of natural descent, not because of your inheritance. It doesn't matter what your parents did or what family you were born into. Not by natural decision. My friends, we never achieve our way to God. We do not make ourselves clean enough, whole enough, good enough to make it to God. God comes to us. Not by husband's will. No one can force us into a decision to believe in God. And so how do we become a child of God? John says this. Here it is. It's really simple. Believe. Believe in his name without any adjective, not truly, not harder, 
not fully or more full, but to fully believe in God. Nothing more, nothing less. Belief. And so the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And in our hope, we realize that we are still waiting. We are longing for a better way, the new day when Christ will return, for the kingdom of God, for the world made right and fully right and fully present to the God of the universe, the Creator God. And it is in the light of God who comes, and it is in this light of the God who is with us that we are called to join in with Him to push back the darkness. And so Christmas is the promise or the inauguration of the reality of that, that this kingdom is here and now and coming to be fully present one day. That God's desire from the beginning was, is, and will always be to bless and reconcile his creation, us, back to himself. And so we come to the Christmas story and we can see that the darkness has not won. And for the people who want to come and see that we are called to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus, to join with him in proclaiming the glory of God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. To live our lives as physical, practical representations that the King has come and will again. And right now we are pushing back the darkness by joining in with Him. So Renew, I want us to sit with a question as we stand in that space between Christmas and New Year's. The space where we begin to dream about what could be in the next year. So I want to leave us with a question. What if 2018 was the year we decided to join with God. To live in incarnational ways. And it's simple. Incarnational means, the way I think about it, means relational. And so what that means is that we would be willing to enter into relationships, to messy, life-giving, vulnerable, killable relationships, to believe that the God who saved me from sin and death has saved me into a life or for a life or to a life of pushing back the darkness. And so I want to break that down really simple. Pushing back the darkness is this beautiful ideological statement, but it's really stupid practical. As we heard last gathering, as we were here listening to, to Bob Kramer talk about the need for people to enter into the Boys and Girls Club and to sit and do homework and to check homework and to read with kids, that is a practical way to push back the darkness. And I'm proud of those of you already who have jumped, decided to jump into that process and get that started. It's getting besides our brothers and sisters living with cancer and just being present with them. It's sitting with those who are hurting and those who have it all together and don't even realize that they need a savior. It's about seeing all of our time and resources as gifts given to us so that we can bless others in the name of Jesus. And so that's my question with us. That's the question of Christmas. That's the surprise of Christmas. Will we join into this incarnational story? Will we believe that the God of the universe came to us to transform us, to send us out? We're, we're about to come to the table. And what I would like for us to do as we come to the table this morning is to think about that. 
It's to think about the fact that our God came as flesh and blood. And he was broken for us so that we could be in relationship with him. And so I want us to invite us to the table this morning. And to come, and we're going to see a candle lit here. And I want us to just recognize, just for a moment, just as we sit in silence, as the Christ candle in the middle of this Advent wreath is lit, to just sit with the reality that Jesus is present with us this morning. That God is with us. So renew, I want to invite us to come to the table not as knowers of the story, but folks willing to be transformed by it. To come and see, to taste and see that God is good. It's an invitation to, to trade our dull and weary eyes for wild-eyed wonder. To come to the table and experience Jesus who is knowable, touchable, and accessible. And so if this is your first time with us or your hundredth time with us, you know that every, anyone who is willing and seeking to know the mercy and grace of Jesus is invited to this table. If it's your first time or your hundredth time, we invite you to come. So the servers are going to make their way up to the table, and I want to invite you to come and to experience the beauty of a God who is with us.